Good morning, friends and family. This is Elizabeth Smith with another episode of Alcoholism, Bipolar Disorder, and Courage to Change. Today's episode is part two of Courage, the National Institute of Health. And today's episode is called Hope, the National Institute of Health. And this is um, the second part of um, more about my journey of recovery and starting though with my treatment, substance abuse treatment at the National Institute of Health. Um, I began my journey into treatment on February 18, 2015 Um, and this was my mom's birthday. If you tuned in to Courage, the National Institute of Health, you would learn all about um, the date that I started my substance abuse treatment journey. And so um, I just wanted to take it a little further. Um, So I am now entering into 1SE, which is the treatment wing of the National Institute of Health. And I'm on day one. And I'm really nervous. I'm really scared. Um, I had just met with Dr. David George, um, who asked me one question, why are you here? And I started crying. I was crying the whole time. I was in my intake with Dr. George, who is not only a medical doctor, but he's also a psychiatrist. And um, and I'm just bawling my eyes out because why was I there? Because I needed help. And that was my answer to him because I needed help and I had no purpose in life anymore. Um, my only purpose I thought was to drink and that's no purpose in life at all. Um, so after my interview with Dr. George, he gave me a physical exam and I had gone from being about um, 110 pounds to being about 230 pounds all drinking all sugar weight and I'm five foot two um, so you can imagine what I looked like I looked like a round roly-poly with skinny arms and skinny legs and a huge fat ass belly So he gives me a physical exam, and uh, my liver was not well, I learned. Um, And Dr. George um, ordered more tests to be done um, because I was in really, really physically bad shape. I mean, mentally really rough shape and emotionally rough shape, but physically I was in really rough shape. And um, so I was taken to my room. It was, I had a room by myself um, for about a week. And it was, it was really nice. It had a beautiful window that overlooked the courtyard. It had a desk for writing and um, my own bathroom and a bed. And... I um 
I didn't have much to unpack, you know. I had my suitcase. And my mother-in-law, Pat Smith, had bought me a journal. And um, it was green with hearts on it. And it was blank because I hadn't started journaling yet. I was put on what was called Cirax. And for a week, I was on this drug called Cirax. And it was um, to help with alcohol cravings and detox. And honestly, to be honest, I don't really remember much about my first week of of treatment at NIH. I just remember being exhausted. Um, I remember we had to order off the menu and um, they had a huge food selection and um, I had to meet with a nutritionist because, um, you know, they needed me to eat because I hadn't been eating at all. I had only been drinking alcohol, wine, boxes and boxes. I would go through a half a box of wine a day. And so I wasn't accustomed to eating. And um, I met with a nutritionist, and she helped me, um, gosh, like learn how to order food and what foods to help me eat so I could lose some weight and eat healthier I I mean I had to learn how to eat again um that's what alcohol does to you um so honestly I don't remember much about my first week in treatment I do remember I slept horrible I do remember that I would wake up every morning about between 5 and 6 o'clock in the morning and I would go out into the day room and I was, other than the nursing staff, I was alone and um, I began my journal. I loved to write and I learned to write again and um, so I journaled and at some point I'll share some of my journal entries with you all because they're really special to me and um yeah they're really special to me um so my first week i i also the nursing staff was awesome i mean it felt like they were taking my blood pressure and my vitals like every hour um i went and had a full physical exam done i remember that my first week um, I remember um, the nursing staff being just super wonderful, kind, awesome. I remember going to some of our classes, which were substance abuse education um, with the Native American man by the name of Mike. Um, I remember there was AA meetings. Um, and, um, my first AA meeting was my, um, second day in treatment. And it was, they took us in a van off campus and it was somewhere in Bethesda. 
and the name of it was called Miracles, and um, it was really awesome. It was um, in a basement of a church, and it it was. I walked in, and there were candles lit, and there were some older people there. It was a very small meeting. And I just remember crying the whole time. I remember crying the whole meeting. I, <laughs> And I remember I shared that it was like my first day at NIH and I just needed help and that yesterday uh, was my first day in treatment and it was my mom's birthday. And at the AA meeting, I passed a picture of my mother around the table, which you really don't do, but I didn't know what was going on. So I passed this picture of my mother around the table and just said I was really glad to be at NIH and in treatment. And the only thing I remember is that halfway through the meeting, they had cake, and I was thrilled, so I ate the cake, and at the end, they just these old timers who were at the meeting kept telling me, Liz, keep coming back, keep coming back. <laughs> so I, that was my first AA meeting ever. Um, so miracles, yeah, and it was a miracle. I was there. Um, so my, after my second week at NIH, um, you know, I was put in a room with a roommate, and I'll call her T. And T and I got along great. I mean, we hit it right off. And she was a little older than me. Um, she um, also was a wine drinker. And so we had so much in common, and we shared so many of our alcohol stories together and we'd come back to our room and and after breakfast and we'd just talk we would just sit and talk and laugh we'd laugh our asses off about some of our drinking stories and um god it you know I don't know but she was she was just a really really neat lady and um so NIH was um, very routine. We it, there was a daily schedule, and um, and then we each had um, like individualized treatment and as well. So um, every morning we was you know obviously we woke up. Um, it was a 12-bed unit, but when I got there, there were only like five of us. And um, at first, T and I were the only women, and there were like three other men. And um, we'd have breakfast, and after breakfast, we had like um, a morning meeting. And that was where we talked about the day and what was going to happen during the day and what classes um, we needed to participate in and what chores we had during the day and um, and then there were readings from daily reflections um, after the morning meeting was like clean up and 
make your bed and do your morning chore. And then um, every morning for an hour was substance abuse education. Um, And then after that was spirituality with Diana, who Diana was awesome. She was like this really interesting lady who had crazy like red hair and she was a um like a pastor or minister um but she was she grew up Roman Catholic but she was um non-denominational she was sort of everything um she was also like a shaman which was really cool because she was really into Native American spirituality, which I love. Um, so during spirituality, we would talk about faith, and um, she taught us how to meditate. And Diana's meditation went like this. All will be well, and all will be well, and all manner of things will be well. And we would do that for about 20 minutes, and it was very relaxing. So also at NIH, um, I started going through a series of like tests and I was diagnosed with um, alcohol-induced hypercortisolism. And what happened was cortisol is the stress hormone in your brain. And Due to all of my drinking, I didn't realize I was also under a tremendous amount of stress. And my cortisol levels were out of control. And that, and cortisol also is a factor in putting on weight. And so I was diagnosed with um, alcohol-induced hypercortisolism. And it ended up being pseudo-Cushing's disease. And Cushing's disease, regular Cushing's disease, is really serious. I mean, um, you know, the treatment for it involves actually brain surgery. And thank God I just had pseudo-Cushing's, which was treatable. Um, And so um, I was placed on some medications, and I can't remember... I can't remember the name anymore, but um, it was like a water pill to help me with um, just water weight, um, and then a pill to treat the hypercortisolism. So um, I'm really glad I was at NIH because I would have never sought a doctor out during my drinking to find out what was wrong with me. I mean, I knew my liver was in trouble, but now I had an answer to what was going on with my physical health. So I was being treated for that. Also at NIH, we had relaxation um, for an hour and with Julie, who was our rec therapist, and they had these relaxation chairs that um, vibrated and they had music to them and we would um, go in the relaxation chairs for like an hour it was awesome Um, I also had physical therapy um, just and I met with um, this guy and 
he would literally help me exercise during the day. And it was for an hour, and it was so hard. I mean, I could barely walk um, 10 minutes at a time, let alone try to exercise, but I did. And um, while I was at NIH, I actually went to physical therapy. It was like every other day. And I was working with a nutritionist. And during my six-week stay there, I lost 20 pounds, which was huge. So now I'm about 200 pounds when I left um, treatment. There was dog therapy. Um, We had um, AA meetings every night that we went to. Some were on... Um, some were at NIH, but most of them were out in the community. So that was awesome. We went to all different um, AA meetings, um, mostly in Bethesda, but some were in Silver Spring, um, some were in Chevy Chase. Um, yeah, yeah, it just, it, somewhere outside of Washington, D.C. We also took field trips, and we went to the um, into Washington D.C. and we'd go to um, the National Museum of um, oh why can't I think um, we just go to the National Museums. Um, we went to um, the Art Museum. We went to the Native American Museum. We went to um, the, um, oh gosh, the National um, Archive Museum. Anyway, we did field trips and it was awesome. We just had a really good time. But one of my favorite things at NIH was to go up to the Sunset Strip, I called it. And we got to go on, I mean, we could actually walk off the unit and just go cruise around NIH was my favorite because the research hospital itself was awesome. And my favorite was to go up to was like take an elevator up to the 16th floor and it was just this long hallway where research students had their offices but you could overlook it was an overlook it was on the 16th floor it was on the top floor of NIH and it was just a beautiful kind of view of the campus and I used to just love to go up to there and just check it out. I mean, it was a great view and I'd go in the morning where you could see the sunrise. I'd go at night. Um, I definitely went a few times during the day because it was just an awesome view and it was one of my most favorite quiet places. And I would just walk that, that kind of hallway and that was where I learned to walk for more than 20 minutes again. Um, So NIH was really special. We also met, obviously, with Dr. David George, our psychiatrist. Um, Sometimes it was daily. Sometimes it was weekly. Um, 
we met with the social worker, Julie, who was um, preparing us for our return home and what that was going to look like and getting outpatient substance abuse treatment set up um, because we all had goals um, and treatment plans while we were at NIH. Um, The other thing that we did was research and like I talked about in one of my podcasts earlier was um, I'm left-handed so I wasn't able to participate in the research studies that involved MRIs but I did make 60 bucks participating in a sleep study and so while I was at NIH um, I made $60 doing a sleep study and that was pretty cool because you'd have these little researchers come in and they'd interview you about sleep and so I had to do um not only the sleep study, but I'd have to fill out questionnaires about sleep. Um, so that was my how I earned my $60 doing research at NIH. Um, so back to my roommate, I want to talk to you about her because I just loved her. And every Wednesday night was bingo, and she and I and the other residents, a few of them, would go to bingo every Wednesday night. And this was bingo for all of NIH. And so the children who were there in treatment were there with their parents. And the people who were on the psych unit were there. And I got to meet some of the psych unit and became friends with a couple of the psych unit patients. Um, And then us folks at 1SE were there playing bingo. And um, it was so much fun. We just loved it. And um, after bingo on Wednesday nights, um, T and I would just come back to the room and talk and talk and talk. And um, we got to be really close because I was there um, for six weeks in treatment. And um, so T was right-handed, and she was conducting all kinds of really cool um experiments and research for NIH and um, so she was constantly doing research stuff like MRIs and CAT scans and all kinds of cool experiments so I loved talking to her about what was going on with her research stuff Um, so anyway T kind of started to get a little strange because (laughs) I don't know what was going on with her, but food became an issue with her. Like, she wasn't really, um, she'd eat dinner with us, but not with us, like after us. And um, I noticed that she started taking food, like back to our room, and we weren't allowed to have food in our room. But I noticed that around breakfast and lunch and dinner, she'd come back to the room and she'd like bring things that she could store like in her drawer, her dresser drawer. And so I thought it was weird, but I didn't really say anything because what am I, you know, maybe she wanted to snack on cereal and granola bars and apples or oranges at night. Who knows? I didn't know. But um, anyway, 
Andre was one of our um, staff members. And every week, Andre would do a room check where he would go through all of our stuff. And so we, it's like after dinner, and T and I are in our room just talking. And Andre comes in, and he's like, girls, it's time for a room check now. He kind of had this accent, and he was so funny. And um, I'm pretty sure so gay, too. So Andre goes, now, girls, it's time for a room check, and I need you to open up your drawers and open up your closet, and I need to conduct a room check. And so... <laughs> T and I are like, oh, God, really, again? And so (laughs) I open up my drawers. I go first. And so, you know, and Andre's looking through my clothes, and he's looking through my personal belongings and whatever. And so now, now it's T's turn. And Andre's like, now, T, you need to open up your, your dresser here so I can do my room check. And and T opens up her top drawer, okay, of her dresser, right? And it's not filled with clothes, it's filled with food. <laughs> and Andre's like, now girl, what do you got all this food in here for? Now you need to open up your middle drawer and your bottom drawer, your dresser. <laughs> so T opens up her middle drawer of her dresser and it's packed, filled with food. Like she's got apples and oranges and granola bars and cereal and anything that is like non-perishable that she could take is in her drawer and she opens and Andre is starting to get a little like girl what is going on now and she opens up her bottom drawer and it's freaking filled with food so now Andre's a little bit freaking out and he's like T, what you got going on, girl? He goes, you got enough food in here to feed a mission. Honey, you need to take that food out, and that needs to go back to the kitchen, honey, right now. (laughs) Now, I am on my bed watching this whole thing go down, and I am, like, peeing my pants because I knew something was going on with T. I just didn't know what. And so Andre has just busted her. We have freaking a enough food in her dresser drawers for start our own food pantry. Andre is like, honey, you need to get this food out of here. Anyway, I'm just dying. And so that was our room check. And um, yeah, I think T might have had a little issue with food, obviously. So that was one of the highlights of NIH with T and I, but we actually just adored each other and we kept in touch after I left NIH, um, actually for quite a while. Um, and then I kind of lost touch with her, but I sure would like to get in touch with her because I sure want to know how she's doing. She was an amazing lady. So my last day at NIH was a tough one. I, um, I was really excited to see my husband, Mike, and my daughter, Clara. They were driving from Marquette, Michigan to Bethesda, Maryland to pick me up. And then it was spring break, so we were going to spend a week in Washington, D.C. for spring break. Um, So I was really excited to see them, but I was really 
honestly sad to leave NIH because it was the most amazing, wonderful treatment experience in my life. I mean, the nursing staff were like amazing and Dr. George was awesome and um the I met some amazing people in treatment with me and um some of them I got really close to and two of the guys um I'll call them um um V and who I adored, who was awesome. I mean, he was actually um, worked at NASA before, and this amazing guy, and he and I got really close. Um, and then I'll call the other guy I got close with, Kay. And um, Kay and I also got really close, and oh my God, he was the smartest kid I'd ever met in my life. I mean, like brilliant, smart. And um and we I keep in touch with both K and V to this day. Um which is really cool. Um they've had some relapses like me, um but they are amazing. They're doing pretty well right now. Um so my last day at NIH, I actually went to they have a a barber shop, a hairdressing salon, and I went and I got my hair curled and I thought it would be nice to look nice. Um I lost 20 pounds. I was feeling pretty good. Um I was God, it was hard to leave. I bawled my eyes out. I just bawled my eyes out because uh, now the real journey begins. Um, going back home to Marquette, Michigan, the real journey begins. So my bags are packed, and I got a text from Mike that they were 20 minutes um, away from NIH to pick me up. And um, I walked down that beautiful, beautiful hallway and the entrance to NIH and I um, as I'm walking to the entrance to meet them I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm I have mixed feelings I'm I'm like so happy to be seeing my daughter and husband and I'm so sad to be leaving NIH um and I'll never forget. So Mike and Clara walked through the entrance of NIH, and there I am. And I gave them each the biggest hug and kiss ever. And um, I gave them a tour of 1SE, and I gave them a tour of, of my favorite places at NIH, up at Sunset Strip, and down into some all the research um, wings of NIH and um, I got my suitcase and we left NIH and started our week-long vacation in Washington DC which was awesome so that is my story of treatment at NIH I yeah learned so much about myself in that six weeks and um, 
I learned about hope and healing and um, it was wonderful. So with that, I will end this episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned till till tomorrow. Thanks, friends and family. Over and out.